Placing a trade shouldn't be complicated. It should be smooth as butter. The Fidelity app makes investing easy with zero commission U.S. stock and ETF trades, no account minimums, and fractional shares trading. Fidelity, where nothing comes between you and the trade. That's smooth. Download our app free from the App Store or Google Play. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from $0.01 cent to $0.03 cents per $1,000 of principal. No account minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, special bonus edition. Bachelor in Paradise Season 8 has already brought with it a whirlwind of discourse, of course. So, of course, we will be discussing Bachelor news and gossip, from the Clacy breakup to the ongoing debate about Sally's suitcase. Plus, we have a special guest from the Roses for Everybody campaign to chat with us about the notable lack of progress the franchise <laughs> has made in body diversity since the campaign started earlier this year. So today we are joined by Epiphany Espinoza, a member of the Roses for Everybody campaign. Epiphany also works in Consumer Insights at BET, so she's really in that TV audience data. She knows what she's talking about. Epiphany, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about <laughs> the messiness of Bachelor Nation and more about the Roses for Everybody campaign. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you here. So we have talked about it before on the show, but it's been a minute. So could you remind our listeners like what the central goal of the Roses for Everybody campaign is and what you hope the franchise will sort of put into place to accomplish it? Yeah. So the overall goal of the Roses for Everybody campaign is to truly give roses to everybody, every type of body. And we're really pushing for more body diversity in the Bachelor franchise. And that's something that we haven't seen at all in all of the years that the show has been on. So since you guys started the campaign earlier this year, we've seen a fair amount of support in Bachelor Nation. Numerous alumni and Bachelor commentators have spoken out in support of the platform, have have signed onto the campaign. I'm curious, like, have you guys heard directly or indirectly from anyone at the franchise itself or anyone who's like still working closely with the show? Yeah, um, not as much as we would like. I mean, we have a few unofficial friends behind the scenes who, you know, tell us that 
yes, they kind of know the campaign is going on, but we haven't heard anything official. It's like, yeah, we're going to work toward okay. these steps and these things that are important. And what's also been a little bit of a dis- little bit disappointing as well is that even though we have had some alum support, it's been a lot of private support. Um, a lot of people are just not talking about it publicly. Um, and I think that's part of maybe a larger issue about just the fat phobia in our society and our inability yeah. to talk about bodies. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think is behind that? Like, why do you think this kind of a campaign versus other fan-driven campaigns for other types of diversity? Like, why do you think people might be more more reticent to be so open about their support? I think people in general, just society as a whole, are still, we're still having trouble having discussions around bodies. I think only recently in the past, you know, decade or so, or maybe even shorter that we've been able to talk about race more freely. And you've seen the needle move in that aspect. And you see the success of the Bachelor Diversity um, campaign last year. Well, I'm sorry, that was two years ago now. Um, (laughs) What is time? What is time? Um, Back in 2020. So I think we've finally been able to talk a little bit more openly about race. But when it comes to bodies, I think people still are a little hung up on terminology. Some some folks do not feel comfortable using the word fat. Um, They still view it negatively. Um, And just, yeah, I I just think that a lot of people don't know how to have these discussions and they're Mm -hmm. kind of scared to do so. Do you find that like, I mean, we have seen some, you've always are great about reposting uh, on social when alums do post publicly. So it seems like to you that a lot of alums are also privately saying, it's great what you're doing, but they won't post publicly. Do you ever hear directly from them? Like, I just don't feel comfortable with the words you're using, or like, I don't feel like I could say fat publicly. Is that part of it for them? Oh, yes, most definitely. We've seen a few different variations. Um, Some people who rightfully so have taken a step back from the toxicity of Bachelor Nation. They're just like, I am not commenting on things that are happening in the community anymore, but just know that I do support you, which we do appreciate. Um, But we do have people in the DMs who are saying, yeah, we'll sign. And then either they don't sign or um, they don't mention it at all on their platforms. And we just need to keep the conversation going and for people to amplify it because they have a large audience, a large following. And when you post things on your page, it really helps direct people back to us. So um, that is a little bit disappointing in a way. And then another critique that we've received um, Besides the fact that, yes, people being very uncomfortable with the word fat, which we have a lot of educational resources on our page to talk about why we use that word and where it comes from. Um, But also we've had a few people uh, say that it triggers uh, their eating disorder or disordered eating, and they don't feel comfortable talking about that because of their past, which, of course, we also understand as well. So it's it's a hard road to kind of navigate in some aspects. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very sticky. Yeah, it's it's something that's so personal for a lot of people, like questions of food and body image. And it's it's very sensitive, um, especially within such an image conscious franchise and one that's so invested in thinness and conventional, like thin beauty. So um, I'm curious, like whether you guys were expecting to see more of an immediate change in in the casting. I mean, when the Bachelor in Paradise cast was released and then sort of the long list, I guess, for Zach's season, the 35 possible women were released. Were you guys really taken aback that it was so thin? Oh, we were shocked, to say the least. I mean, and very angry just because 
We started planning this campaign during Clayton season, but we didn't really launch it until um, the Bachelorette, the most recent Bachelorette season. And we gave them ample time to start, you know, thinking about how they want to cast Zach's season. And, um, you know, so when the cast list came out, we were hoping for at least a little bit of body diversity, at least, you know, one or two people that don't look um that they don't have the same types of bodies as they've been casting previously. And not only did they not do that, it seems like they just regressed completely. And again, we're not in a place to judge anybody's bodies, but everyone just seemed, um, you know, just thinner than usual. And it even also seemed like they took a few steps back in terms of racial diversity as well. So we were just kind of floored. Yeah, it seemed like they sort of doubled down instead of being responsive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely reminds us that a lot of these campaigns are going to be an uphill battle and that it's not going to be like a one season conversation. Like it's not going to be something where you launch and then, okay, something changes or we can just kind of stop talking about it. What, what do you think kind of the next steps are in terms of kind of keeping this conversation going? Yeah. So what I will say is that we are more passionate than ever and we are more focused than ever to make some changes within the franchise. So we just really want to drum up noise and buzz and conversation and have people like know the campaign because I feel like there's still some visibility that we're missing. Uh, And also just try to get more alum to publicly sign on and just, you know, get on, just drum up more press, you know, get on more podcasts, have more conversations, really talk about the campaign and what's happening so that ABC can't ignore us. Yeah, this is totally the long game. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. I am curious, like given that the casting has been done for for Zach's season and that we did see Zach talk about his own weight loss um, on Gabby and Rachel's season, how do you think the audience should be approaching watching this next season? And like, do you, how should we be reacting if that backstory is brought up again? Or or even what would you like to see from Zach if it is something he talks about again? Yeah, I mean, we would love a more nuanced conversation about bodies and fatness and what it means to gain and lose weight for sure. But One thing that we try to do is also give Zach a little bit of grace. Um, We know that Mm -hmm. this is often, this is a thing that we struggle, that a lot of people struggle with, and it's just a result of the society that we live in. Um, And also, we don't know if there was more to the conversation that Zach had uh, with Rachel on the show, and that maybe this is a product of editing as well, um, because the way that it was portrayed, it made it seem like he felt unlovable or um, unhappy in a larger body. Um, But he was also talking about his mental health as well. So it's not very clear if maybe he was more so connecting it to his mental health versus the way that he looked and that just him losing weight happened to be a side effect. We don't really know. So I try to give him, we try as a collective to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But like watching this season, we, our ears are perked up and we want to make sure that, um, if this becomes a big storyline for him, that we're being critical, but not um, being critical in a way that also gives him grace and we're not um, attacking him, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're speaking to is kind of what a lot of us as commentators try to do, Mm -hmm. which is like critique 
the show and its messaging first and foremost and understand that everyone involved in the show is an individual person with their own own complexities and also that their narratives are of course as you pointed out like really really shaped by Mm -hmm. what the show is trying to portray and the show's Mm -hmm. values and we're also leaning more into the education bit of it as well recently we put up some posts around fat phobia and um internalized fat phobia so you know we also want to make it clear to zach that you could be loved at any size. You didn't have to lose weight to become The Bachelor. You didn't have to lose weight to find love. Um, so we also want to take that approach as well. Yeah, and I definitely encourage everyone to follow yeah. the Roses for Everybody socials because the Instagram post that you guys do on that education is really helpful to me. And um, and it's clear that so much thought is put into to sharing those. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Bachelor in Paradise because that has also been bringing up a lot of these questions for us. Have you been watching Paradise? I have been watching Paradise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, like, what reactions and what conversations you guys have been having about the season thus far and how it has been handling body, body issues because it seems to us like it's coming up a lot already and it's like week two yeah um i mean we have a repeat offender in jacob and how he talks about bodies um so that was interesting to see especially since he apologized in some way last season and to see um him talk about bodies in that way again it was just come on man like you are like you kind of look like the personification of what society thinks is a perfect body and for you to be kind of griping at um, a little bit of fat or skin that you may have just really sends a very poor message out there. And it makes people who may not look like him feel like, wow, maybe I will never get to be on this show or see someone that looks like me on this show. Um, So it's just perpetuating that narrative that we're trying so hard to get out of. Yeah, Yeah. uh, Jacob is interesting too because he has not had this narrative on the show. Like, it's mostly just been about his obsession with working out. But on his Instagram, I noticed that he had posted a lot about his weight loss journey. So I definitely think in the past few years that that has been perhaps a similar story in a certain way to Zach's, where he's very fixated on it because he attaches it to his his own, like, sense of self-esteem and a sort of work in progress that he's created. Mm -hmm. But... None of that is really present. We just see him like sort of pointing at like his perfect abs and being like, you know, these just aren't good enough yet because everyone should have 0% body fat. And that is not a helpful thing to show us. Not <laughs> Certainly <at all. laughs> not. It was depressing, frankly. I also feel like the fixation on, on men's um, muscles has been getting greater and greater. And I feel like that's, kind of a, a, a curveball to me and the way that bodies are discussed, like this obsession with men being super built has has kind of exploded in the last few years. Like, how do you guys see that tying in to the question of like body representation on the show? Yeah, I mean, even with the most recent Bachelorette season with, with uh, Gabby and Rachel, I feel like the men were like half dressed most of the time. Like they were just so quick to be like, take off your clothes. It's a group date. Let's get them naked. It's like, 
I mean, it's like, that's <laughs> real equality. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the equality we're looking for. Forget equal pay. Yeah. We want to see yeah. men just as naked as women are on television. Oh, God. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, I, one thing that's really interesting, Katie, Katie Thurston has been a really great supporter of the campaign. And one thing she had mentioned is that she specifically asked for different types of, um, of bodies cast from her season. And she was like, I tend to actually be more attractive to attracted to men uh, who are not, you know, ripped and with the eight pack and really cut and muscular. I like a little bit of softness. So that's really interesting to me because it's very clear that producers or powers that be are ignoring the wishes of their leads who they are supposed to be helping find yeah. love. So, um, so I think that shift is really fascinating and, um, yeah, I mean, also, I feel like when you talk about, you know, fat phobia and body diversity, the way that it's talked about within women versus men is very different as well. Um, sometimes that like we talk within the group, we talk about there might be a better chance of us seeing a male contestant who is fat first before we see a female one just because of misogyny and the patriarchy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 The anxieties are there for all genders, mm-hmm. but they it's a lot more intense, obviously, for for women. Mm-hmm. And I also think like because women are socialized mm-hmm. to take a lot of qualities into consideration when they're talking about attractiveness, like it's it's almost like for straight men, I don't know. I, I could see it being there being like more blockage almost in being willing to publicly declare your you know attraction to a body that isn't exactly mm-hmm. what you think or like exactly what the culture tells you is like the quote unquote perfect mm-hmm. body for your trophy partner yeah i really loved that katie spoke openly about that because me too you do like really see how that like compulsory like you must be attracted to the type of body we have decided is the most attractive how that's put into motion and how that doesn't necessarily represent everyone's natural sense of attraction people are attracted to all kinds of bodies and that's just not what pop culture is going to tell us it's not what the bachelor wants to tell us um so Generally speaking, like, after listening to this podcast, what's, like, the one thing you would want everyone listening to do to make sure that that some progress is made with the franchise? Um, I would definitely say go to our Instagram page and interact with our content. Um, read all the posts that we have shared, uh, engage, comment, like, sign our petition. That's also really important. The more eyes, the more signatures that we get, the more visible that we are. Um, And hopefully that will inspire some alum with larger social media followings to do the same. Um, So yeah, that's, that's really what's most important. We really want to keep the conversation going and we and we want people to talk about this and and hopefully this helps us get closer as a society to feel more comfortable to talk about bodies and neutrally. You know, that would be great. Yes, that would be awesome. And I do think that what you guys are doing is so amazing because I think that a, a show like The Bachelor is actually a great way in to talking about so many kind of social ills. And this is one of them. And I've been really heartened to see this conversation really start to take off in a way that I think it it really just hadn't been on the kind of forefront of audience discussion before 
your campaign. So I hope you guys aren't getting like too down because (laughs) I do think it has already changed the tenor of, you know, the discourse around this show. And like, that's going to really have an impact on, on people who watch. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate hearing that because sometimes it feels like we're shouting into a void, but, <laughs> of course. Um, but then every once in a while we have great conversations with people like you two, or we have people in our DMs who's just like, oh, we feel so seen by what you're doing. Like, thank you so much. And that really, inv- like really makes us even more passionate to keep it going. So. Yeah. It's really hard to be at the the first wave of like really pushing yeah. something like this, but mm-hmm. um, it's a marathon and you guys are doing amazing work. So Thank you so much for joining us to talk about this. Can you tell our audience where they can find you and the campaign on social? Yeah, so um, you can find the campaign um, on Instagram and Twitter, Roses for Everybody. Um, And if you're interested in me and what I do with Consumer Insights, I'm just Epiphany um, Cian, X-I-A-N-N on Instagram and Twitter as well. So Wonderful. Go follow Epiphany. Go follow the campaign. Make sure you read up and make sure that as we head into the rest of BIP and into Zach's season, that everyone listening here, make sure to keep the conversation going on your social and, you know, show your support and and keep pushing this forward. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about Bachelor News and Gossip. Can you keep up? Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. There's dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops, and premium jeans. I mean, you name it, and Newly has it. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles for more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. Fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility are also included. Plus the option to buy what you love. I love Newly so much. I actually have bought several items that I found through Newly and they are staples in my wardrobe. Most recently, I've been looking for the perfect pair of jeans, which is a constant quest because my body is always changing and also jean styles are always changing. I was trying out this month the A. Goldie Pinchwaist jeans, which are sort of legendary for how flattering they are. And it was exciting to get to try them out without sending 200 of my dollars away. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code LTSI20. Just go to NUULY.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code LTSI20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, Newly with two U's, with code LTSI20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. 
Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process. It would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible, like, neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. Just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself 
a quiz and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. <laughs> Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's T-R-Y firstleaf.com slash LTSI. Tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should. Learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks and... It's been really helpful because my French is not good, but now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. <laughs> you can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we are back and it is time to get into some news and gossip. We're going to start with some some sad There's news. There's sad news. Can you imagine sad news in Bachelor <laughs> Nation? What is the world Everything's usually so uplifting. So uplifting. Um, this is like relatively wholesome, sad news, I guess. Um, doesn't ruin my faith in humanity. It's just sad. Clacy has broken up. Um, obviously this happened a couple weeks ago, so I'm sure you all know this by now, but we've been taking time to process and grieve. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Clayton Eckerd and Susie Evans, of course, met on the most recent season of The Bachelor. He was The Bachelor. She was his final pick. Um, they, the season ended in emotional turmoil, <laughs> and yeah. they did end up, after the show filmed, they ended up dating, and they were already starting to date when his his season wrapped. We, like, found out about this relationship during AFR. Yeah, so they've been dating since around when his season started to air a little before. Um, so... It hadn't all been roses. You know, everyone hated Clayton after the season aired. Um, a lot of people also hated Susie. A lot of people thought Susie shouldn't be with Clayton because he hurt two of her close friends from the show, Rachel and Gabby. There was a lot of backlash to their relationship. There were also like some, a lot of rumors. There was that weird made up rumor that he cheated on her with someone he met at a bar in New York when he was actually in Arizona at the time. There are also some breakup rumors recently because they revealed they were planning to move to different cities. They've been living together, I think, in Virginia, where yeah, she lives. where Susie is from. Yeah. And at the time, they refuted those rumors. But not long after, they did post a joint Instagram statement on September 23rd. And revealed that they had decided to go their separate ways. 
And, you know, they tried to express that they were moving forward with love and respect for each other and that they just needed to heal as individuals after everything that they had been through and that being together as a couple just wasn't working anymore. Um, and so they were parting with love. And yeah. And I think a lot of us were bummed to see this news. I think that Susie is incredibly charming and endearing and their relationship, I think brought out a lot of really fun qualities in Clayton that maybe we didn't get to see in kind of the highlight reel of his season. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, Susie's just really prolific on social media. And so they were posting a lot of great TikToks and you could just see a lot of the, the joy in their relationship. And I also think that, you know, people in this uh, audience have a tendency to have very intense, often negative feelings about someone and then kind of move along. Yeah. Um, as as time goes on and you soften to a couple that <laughs> yeah. that is together and seems happy. Yeah, but, which is which is why we try to not always be super negative right away because yeah. there are consequences to, you know, piling on someone so intensely based off of sort of a limited set of public mistakes they made that might not represent a a very limited set. (laughs) (laughs) And you want them to be able to learn from their mistakes without being crushed beneath the weight of uh, social uh, backlash and mass hatred. So that was um, that was definitely something that affected their relationship. And it seemed like Susie was providing Clayton a lot of support as he navigated all the backlash. Um, And they were been even before the breakup, pretty open about the fact that his mental health suffered severely yeah. while the show was airing. So that was not that was not news. Um, but shortly after they broke up, they went on Caitlin Bristow's Off the Vine podcast, and that episode came out on Tuesday. And oh my God, this interview was so devastating it was to emotional to. <laughs> first of all i, I just, just want to yeah. commend them for being able like it you could tell that this this breakup is recent like it doesn't feel like they really sat on it for a while or anything before posting and then they pretty quickly after um taped this interview with with caitlin and it was just very raw and very honest and very respectful and very loving. And I thought that Caitlin did a great job of moderating the conversation. And it was also just extremely obvious how how much care and respect there still is between Clayton and Susie. And it was just, it was really kind of emotionally devastating to listen to and hear yeah. the way in which the audience and the backlash and choices that the show made kind of set them up to be completely unable to to be in a relationship right now. Yeah, it was really rough to listen to. I think especially as people who, who comment on the show and are critical of what people do on the show, you don't want that to cause like intense Harm. human suffering and it's it's something we do tr- we always try to be mindful of um but to receive like that much feedback and like death threats and hatred and condemnation, I think is psychologically 
brutal. And I don't think that anyone who's like ever been on the show would really be helped by that. One thing that kept coming up and that Caitlin kept saying and they kept sort of agreeing with, but maybe a little bit more tentatively because it was still so fresh for them is that like the show really reopens a lot of psychological wounds that you might think you've healed or that are not there and that you know, then you're able to really confront them and come out stronger. And so in a way, it's good for you. And I was like, what does this remind me of? Oh, a podcast I was recently listening to about a cult, (laughs) which is like, that's how a lot of cults do function, especially like personal development cults that like life spring seminars or whatever they break or you down swan. and then build you back right up. they rip open your psychological wounds and then they're like you're going to be stronger now that we've made you confront this and like i guess it does sometimes happen but like it's not a super safe way to heal people's psychological trauma and sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it really causes lasting damage that did not need to be done so like i was yeah. listening to this and i was like this just makes me think that the bachelor really and truly is a cult in, oh, definitely. Like far more direct ways than I've <laughs> thought of it in the past. So I also think something <laughs> that uh, Caitlin was pointing out that I agreed with is just the the ease with which people kind of both deliver uh, commentary, you know, on social media and then also encourage people to dismiss that commentary, like that it's very easy to kind of be like, well, don't let that affect you. Don't listen to the noise just ignore it. And that, that has a good intention, that message. But I do think like having been on the receiving end of just a very, 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 very small fraction of the level of feedback that a Clayton or a Susie would have received, like it makes me crumble. And I do think that Caitlin was right to kind of point out that I think people can underestimate the, the psychological toll that just, just literally that volume of feedback can have on a person yeah absolutely i i was (laughs) this is not strictly relevant but um it put me in in mind of this i was on like facebook yesterday and i saw a reel i watch a lot of like baking decorating reels now someone decorating a rainbow cookie with a cute array of colors and then i opened the comments because i'm a psychopath and i wanted to see (laughs) and the only comment was someone being like oh, I'm so annoyed that people won't just use the Roy G. Biv color array. Like, it's such a cute cookie, and then the colors are all over the place. Like, why couldn't you just do them in the Roy G. Biv order? (laughs) And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I do not understand, like, how you could be upset about this and think that you need to express that to someone like they've done something wrong. Like, that is, I think, kind of the way that a lot of us just approach content on social media now, which is just like... The, the 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 hostility and the entitlement that everything should just like be the content that we would have wanted it to be. And if it's not, then like that person needs to know that they've really let me down. I think that like to be receiving so much of that must be very confusing because you're like, why are people so mad at me if I'm not a fucking monster? Like and I must then, have really fucked up right. to be receiving and, and this. I, Exactly. And I think that if you are like a sensitive person, like Clayton clearly is, he, you know, he did internalize a lot of that as, as he says on the podcast. He's like, I really started to believe that I was basically a 
a monstrous person. Yeah. And we all know that like you can really fuck up in the world of the show and you can make mistakes and you can be a person who's hurt another person unintentionally by way of your actions. And yes, you need to reflect on those things, but that doesn't make you a monster. That makes you a human being. I don't think it's helping Gabby or Rachel for him to be in like a mental health crisis for a full year. Like I just don't, I actually don't think that's helping anyone. And yeah, so he and Susie talk a fair amount about how they wanted to do this interview together. They wanted to make sure that people don't take sides, that it doesn't seem like a team situation. They're a united front. They're on good terms. And the fact that they have to put so much thought into that because everything in the franchise now is depicted as, yeah, is, was, I mean, it's disheartening, but it is just the way that it, and they're very good at, I think, especially Susie is very thoughtful about we have to do this because people are going to have that reaction. And she's so good at navigating that. She's really good at anticipating kind of what is going to come up. And I just thought it was so telling and just like, it is hard to be in a relationship. It is hard to form a committed partnership and imagining trying to do that, like basic work that any of us (laughs) have to do when we're building a relationship. Plus thinking about like, if we post this at this time, is this going to like turn the tides in X, Y, or Z way? Like that is a lot of psychic labor on top of just yeah. the labor of trying to know another person. Yeah, I mean, I really respect that they are, they recognize that they brought the world yeah. into their relationship. They were like, we met on TV. We post on social together. We understand that people want to hear from a, us and right. that's okay. But like, you know, they do have to be very careful and thoughtful and that's a lot to put on them. And, you know, and while things are still pretty raw, I mean, Susie starts crying pretty early in the interview and she's like, we we've talked since the breakup, but like, I just haven't seen your face in such a long time. And like, I'm literally tearing up just remembering that moment. Like there is a clip of that moment in the little trailer for the interview um, that Caitlin released. And like, you can just, you can just, you recognize that emotion yeah yeah I mean it's been a while since I've been through such a difficult breakup and to thought to think of having one of those like post breakup closure conversations in public in public oh god well let's not even think about that yeah it would be team (laughs) anti-Claire after that let me say um everyone would be united so the two things that they really talk about as being behind the breakup are Basically, the emotional fallout of being the villains of the show, especially Clayton, but also the fact that Susie was also dealing with a lot of hate, both for being with him or for how she handled things on the show. And so she was doing a lot to support him because he was receiving so much and he didn't know how to handle it. But then she wasn't able to get the support that she needed because he was in such an unhealthy place. And he said, I kept saying I need three more months to heal so I can be a more supportive partner but it just wasn't happening fast enough for them. He wasn't healing as fast as he thought. And she had needs too. And that seemed like really tough for both of them that they they really tried so hard to support each other yeah. and that they just were, they, you know, he said when the Gachel season started airing and the Clayton Sucks song and like it started getting talked about again, he was like, that just really put me right back there. And yeah, I remember like, thinking just that at the time, things. like, they don't need this. I know. And I think that the audience, frankly, 
was by that point kind of like, eh, can we move on? Well, and that's can the we thing is like you see Clayton a lot of people slander. being like, leave Clayton alone. But then there's still enough people out there who are like, oh, yeah, Clayton does suck. Time to go tell him to kill himself or whatever. Right. And also just just being like a t- trending topic on Twitter again, like when yeah. you're in that level of, of fragile state and he was like really still in kind of those early stages of healing, like it makes sense that even a bit of that could kind of set that set that process back. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, they talked about how Susie has this background in pageants and in social media, and she's pretty comfortable receiving really negative feedback and also jousting with commenters, like trolling them back. She's like, I like being on social media. It's still fun for me, even though I don't necessarily like the mean comments. I think for Clayton, he was just like, this is just not what being a football player is like. Like, it's very different from the kind of harsh feedback yeah. that I got growing. Like, he's like, I just didn't didn't know how to deal with this. Yeah, he's like, I didn't have as thick a skin as Susie. It didn't come yeah. naturally. And even Susie said that what was hard for her was kind of were the comments about her character yeah. and the idea that, like, she is a traitor to to women or she doesn't care about women. Like, things that felt counter to her to the person that she believes herself to be. Yeah. Um, and I can understand that also being very destabilizing. And then when you when you are expending all of your energy to kind of bolster your partner to a place where they are functional and they can't give any of that back to you, like that is just, yeah, that's just not a recipe for a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard. And then the other factor that they talked about was just basically some confusion and divergence around their visions of what came next for them. I mean, it's interesting because they talk about that move to different cities as like, we weren't planning to break up, but it actually maybe was sort of why they broke up because they just didn't communicate well around it. So like, she was like, well, he said that he needed more stability. So we were going to move to Arizona where he has family. He was going to try to get back into his corporate career. And I, Susie was like, well, if that's what you need, for your like stability, then I will follow you. I will start over there for now. And then he decided he still wanted to move to Arizona, but instead of going back into his corporate work, pursue his passion of public speaking about mental health. And in her head, Susie was like, oh, so I guess he's not looking for stability in the way that I thought he wants to, you know, take some risks. Yeah. Yeah. um, And pursue this less stable dream. And she was like, well, what about my less stable dreams? You know, do I need to prioritize myself? And what's crazy about this is that it really sounded like they didn't figure out what happened here until long after the breakup was over. They were like, we just figured out that we didn't communicate very well around this. Yeah. And they were saying that this was kind of a theme. Yeah. That like, well, we all saw that around fantasy suites. Yes. That they, they would like, it just took them a long time when they would kind of miss each other to understand what the other one was saying. Um, And, I don't know. You could you could feel from both of them that they were they were trying to be realistic about the fact that they need to separate. And also you could feel that there was there were pieces of them that were like, well, maybe this could work in the future. Or what if what if this one thing had been different? Yeah. Maybe it could have worked. I will say the one thing that makes me think that maybe they shouldn't be together is that this was a recurring theme in a short relationship to not be able to communicate clearly about a big life decision 
until you have broken up over it and it's like a month has passed like that's big and it it hit them hard with fantasy suites and it hit them again here and that is hard that's that's not a good compatibility <laughs> and it's h- tough when you're compatible with someone in so many ways and they said all the fun we had together that was real we laugh so much together but that that doesn't always mean that you have enough compatibility to really make things work and that's that's hard and also i think when you're in a place in your life like both of them are still really in the stage where they are like figuring out what they want to do and mm-hmm. what they love especially clayton and i do think there there is a value in doing what they are doing which is clearly letting the other one and encouraging the other one to prioritize that building process over staying in a relationship. And to me, that's, that's like shows a lot of emotional maturity and a lot of fundamentally a lot of care about the other person. Yeah. I think they both were very much like, I'm so glad they're pursuing their dreams. It wasn't really compatible with us staying together right now. And that's hard, but, um, that's what needs to happen. And like, you don't want to end up like Giselle one day being like, I, step down from my extremely successful international supermodeling career to have children with a man who won't even retire as an NFL quarterback, even though he's 45 and honestly has been better. So, you know, you just don't want to be in that position. You want to be like, I'm taking my time for my dreams when I'm ready for it. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> not to fundamentally, <laughs> fundamentally, we both are just sending them both a lot of love. And I really hope that they are able to just like exist outside the world of this show. And even if they, if they want to continue being public figures, which I think both of them do to an extent, like I hope that people will let them separate from the show. And Clayton, I was very struck by the fact that Clayton said, although he's been like completely devastated since the breakup, that he actually breathed a sigh of relief when they ended, not because their relationship was over, but because for the first time he was like, maybe, maybe I'm going to be freed from people asking questions and expecting. When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Yeah. What are you and Susie going to do? Are you breaking up? Like, it's like, and I don't know that, that line like really stuck out to me as like, just it's too much. Sometimes you do just need, some separation yeah from yeah. the thing that is that is causing you pain yeah you need everyone to like look somewhere else for a minute and i do think that's yeah. something that bachelor couples today don't necessarily have partly because of all the career opportunities that they get directly through social media after the show yeah. you're really tied to like still having a lot of focus on your relationship and you don't get that chance to be like we're just going to move to the PNW and like quietly resume our careers and everyone will forget that we got married. And then it's like, oh, Desiree (laughs) and Chris are still married and they have a family. Exactly. That's (laughs) almost impossible to do now. There is so much focus. Um, Obviously, that brings, as you said, monetary opportunities, but also also uh, can put a lot of strain. Yeah, there is a cost to that Imagine that season now. Imagine the way Desiree's season ended now. That would have been a shit show and she would be not with anyone from the show anymore. She wouldn't be with Chris and I think Brooks Brooks would would be a villain. Be the biggest villain. Yeah, we would never speak to Brooks again. 
Oh, yeah, God. it would be, I don't even want to think about it. So um, we wish the best for all of them. Jaisley just sending so much healing to everyone who has been a major character on this show for like the last I know. two years. So let's talk let's about some people to... who are still major characters on the show because the on-screen chaos of Bachelor in Paradise has been so great that it has really led to a breaking of the fourth wall in a way that we haven't seen in the past there's been like a lot of online jousting among the cast and like pushback against the narrative presented wild wild a lot of this came up around sally's suitcase Mm -hmm. which as i think we surmised we were like it's so ridiculous that maybe it's a gift because it's like almost obvious that this was producer intervention And I do wonder if that's sort of what has given some alums, like, the cover to be able to point that out. Right. Yeah, I think that is the thing. It is, it was horrible to do, but perversely, it was more apparent that production was the villain. I think a lot of people did pick up on that, and the cast felt comfortable being like, come on, guys. Like, right. So clear what's happening. Except... Maybe for Joe. Not I'm not always sure what Joe is doing on Twitter. Joe Amabili, co-host of the franchise affiliated show Clickbait, VIP darling, like, fiance you of could Serena. Really, <laughs> really read this tweet multiple ways. Like it's unclear whether he said he tweeted mm-hmm. he tweets these like little fragments. Right. At one point that, he just tweeted no Oh Romeo. And I was like, don't even bother live tweeting if that's what you're gonna give me. <laughs> yeah, that's this is not a good take. His takes are like basically never good, nor are they particularly funny or interesting. So he tweeted, opening up someone else's bag, not cool. Which like I agree. No, everyone agrees. But right, everyone agrees, but like obviously that wasn't her bag right but he is like the only person that i saw who is a cast or former cast member saying anything like that because everyone else was like that is not sally's suitcase i think we saw yes Susie tweeted if i had to guess that is not sally's suitcase with the eye roll emoji marlena where she was also on uh clayton season tweeted this show is childish as hell for what they did to sally uh she also tweeted and y'all wonder why we be crying every episode. It's because we don't want to get on the producer's bad side and have a vibrator planted in our fake suitcase on national TV. Yeah. Marlena was not holding back. Yeah. Lindsay Wyndham, who was also on Clayton season, reposted Marlena's tweet uh, on Instagram and wrote, Marlena keeping the real in reality TV. Also, I'm not watching because it makes me anxious and I know what happens. But I get spark notes and cheering on my season 26 girls from a distance, which, Lindsay, protect your peace. Good for you. Seriously. Um, Genevieve uh, tweeted, please look at the clues. Is this really Sally's suitcase? Jill tweeted, let's use cr- some critical thinking here, guys. Who would bring a vibrator and a waffle iron to the beach? Critical thinking. I mean, and I'm again, just proud to say that we did. We did think about who would bring a waffle. It's like astonishing to me that that <laughs> anyone didn't think about this. Like that is such an obvious tell. And I'm annoyed at Joe. I like. I truly don't know if he's just taking it all at face value or if he's like cynically trying to like 
buy into the narrative. But I was like, come on, like, that is so obviously not her suitcase. And then I saw people being like, oh, but it was still not cool of them to open it. And I was like, yeah, the producers made up a bag with a waffle iron and vibrator planted in it. And then they just didn't make the girls open open it. it. Right. Like, I was like, what do you think happened? Like, why would they make this whole stunt suitcase just to let the women be polite and not open it? They literally had lace, like, come gather everyone on the beach and march them up without telling them what was happening back to the room. Like, it was very obviously a highly produced scene. And we know that on Paradise, everyone just kind of shows up a little bit more ready to play ball. Like, they know what's going on. It's cheekier. So, like, it is not surprising to me that production would be like, guys, suitcase, maybe you should open that. Like, and that they would. This yeah. is not surprising. I saw some other alums and in, like Instagram comments and so on being like, this show is like losing the plot, basically. Um, so there was a lot of pushback against this edit. And I I am at least grateful that it was so absurd that it allowed people to kind of talk openly about this. Exactly. I think if it had been felt more realistic, that it would have been harder. Yeah, because then people are like, oh, do you really think we actually did that? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like something (laughs) that could happen. But like a waffle iron? No. Like, no. Um, (sighs) So poor Sally. Rough. She really did just get punished. And she does come to the beach. I like she if she ever comes don't never come on this show again sally like that they don't they don't get to benefit from association with you again she hasn't posted a single thing about the show yeah. so i'm gonna assume that she's neither I did teddy she's done neither did teddy which we will get to and i yeah. think is telling the other little scuffle that happened on twitter is that justin just like kind of went after kira for no reason well okay so kira had just been aired basically sitting down genevieve and in i thought a less than tactful way being like yeah you should be really worried about justin because he was all over sally at stagecoach and like is obsessed with her and i do think that kira was trying to look out for genevieve but um it it came off as a little as a little um a little insensitive more pot stirring than maybe it was um maybe she thought it would i mean yeah i i criticized her delivery i think in that moment but i do find it funny that justin was upset by this yeah also because there was an entire report like multiple reports about this no we all know the time like we already knew this gossip it had, had been out there we had talked about it on the podcast and it's also like not a big deal. It's like, like so not a big deal. I was like, what happens later, Justin, that you feel the need to be defensive about this? Because based on what I'm seeing now, you don't need to be, but maybe I, you do need to be. So maybe I should be worried about what's coming. So he tweeted, LMFAO, Kira was at Stagecoach. This whole story is news to me. Rolling on the floor laughing emoji. Anything for some screen time, though, I guess. Sigh. Okay. Which, like, look, I... <laughs> personally don't know Kira or Sally, but I had seen them on Instagram at Stagecoach together. (laughs) So like, come on, man. Like, why wouldn't you just check before you tweet this? And also it's just obvious, very overt shade at Kira. So let's just be clear about that. What you did 
which that's a choice you made, <laughs> is to shit on Kira on Twitter. It is what it is. Yeah. And so and she- I think that that's notable for how he responds later. So Kira responds, I think, well, she said, you okay, bro? We had several short conversations while there. Get some glasses and a better attitude. Yikes. Woo. And he said, I'm sorry, I truly don't think we spoke all weekend. Just odd to speak on and embellish someone's whereabouts and actions so authoritatively that you don't know. And she said, we definitely spoke. And I was in the five-person girl group with Sally all weekend. So I know what I saw. Don't really understand why you're coming at me, but it's all good. I that mean, was, why I thought was that he was com- a good like, response. I want to think of the context for, like, why he was coming at her. But, like, it's not a good reason to come at her. Like, there was no need to do this, Justin. It's also not some... Like, Genevieve also had already talked about in her ITM right. that she was worried about Sally. Yeah, and it, it's actually not knew. a dig at Justin. It's just, like, Justin clearly had some sort of spark with Sally. She doesn't want to be probably the Natasha be excited. of this season. She doesn't want to find out that he's just been waiting for... Sally to come the way that Brendan was with Piper. And also, like, he could have had a connection with Sally and not been the Brendan and Piper, right? Like, there could yeah. be no plan, and he just could have had a crush on someone. Like, none of this is concerning, and now I'm like, yeah. Now, now I'm is, concerned. Now I'm concerned. I also think it's like, you don't really need to have had intimate conversations with someone to have observed that they were like into one of your friends. Well, so here's the thing that is funny to me about this is that part of what seems to be going on is that there's like, it's so easy for her to dunk on him if she was there. So I have to assume that he just truly didn't remember that she was there. And then I think there can be a bit of discomfort in realizing that someone was present and observing your behavior closely and you hadn't even literally them. It probably feels a little bit like you're being surveilled, but it's like, dude, the fact that you weren't paying attention to everyone in the group because you were fixated on Sally does not mean that you were being like big brother surveilled. Like you just were zoned in on someone and you weren't as aware of your social surroundings, whereas Kira was and she noticed that you were hitting on her friend a lot. (laughs) And like it might feel feel creepy to you but it's not it's actually super normal right it's one of those things where it's like just take a breath before you tweet yeah (laughs) and and go back in your instagram tags and see if you're tagged in a photo with kira because then kira posted a photo of the two of them like literally in a pool together at stagecoach and she said with with a a bunch of bachelor people yeah again not like the two of them on a romantic date photo this photo has been circulated like we had all seen this photo he also then responded again because she said like stagecoach was fun wasn't it at justin glaze with the photo and arrows pointing at the two of them and he said we had zero interaction that's all i was saying there were a lot of people there that i didn't know or speak to wasn't a dig at you at all i'm like it was a dig at her it was. You literally dig. said anything for screen time yeah it was and a I, big look, I really i really like justin I think he clearly kind of put his foot in his mouth with this tweet and then like he's backpedaling. Yeah, he's like, backpedaling. You but said it's like, what you said, man. It was I mean. it was like, a, it was not a good it was tweet. A sh- it was a shady tweet and you kind of got <laughs> to own it. And also it you, yeah. proves Kira's point if yeah. you didn't remember her. I'm sorry. She was like literally, I saw her in group photos just like that small group of with girls with Sally. Sally all weekend, and you didn't 
speak to her, but you were with Sally a lot. It sort of sounds like you were really focused on Sally. (laughs) So great job proving her point. It's like he tweeted like, news to me that there was anyone at Stagecoach other than me and Sally having a romantic (laughs) weekend. Anything for screen time, I guess. Oh, yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, I'm worried about what this means for the future because it suggests that he really doesn't want people to think that he and Sally had any vibe at Stagecoach, which means he is going to dump Genevieve on her ass for Sally. (laughs) We'll see. But you know what? Genevieve has also this weirdly defensive, like, I wasn't in a thing with Aaron at all before I came here. But now that I'm on a date with him, do I maybe like him better than Justin? I don't know. So like maybe they're doing it to each other. <laughs> Look, guys, everyone acts a fool on Paradise and yeah. around Paradise is what we know. And again, this is more just funny than anything. Honestly, and I hope that my new theory, sorry, this is all just coming to me, is that Justin knows that Genevieve was brooded about to have a thing with Aaron. Genevieve knows that he was rumored to have a thing with Sally. They're both like, well, our person isn't here yet. Let's just like have a mutually beneficial arrangement. But also Genevieve will cry a lot. <laughs> but like, maybe there is, I don't maybe know. there's, is that I, a mutually benefit? Hmm, it's a bad plan then because everyone was having a lot of panic attacks. There no, are too you're many right. panic attacks for that to be a good plan. I'm not saying that it was like a really conscious <laughs> thought out plan, but maybe on some level they were both like, you know, this person oh, seems like a, a bide your time option. <laughs> and then Genevieve just like she got too far into the deception and she fell for him within three hours. And I really think lack of sleep is responsible <laughs> for like 95% of the drama in paradise. No, you're correct. Um, and the lack of air conditioning is the other 5%. Yeah, so, exactly. Well, I just, you know, I wish Kira and Justin uh, the best and hope they can put this tiny feud to bed i truly wish that again <laughs> healing for all of these people away exactly, from the exactly <laughs> uh meanwhile uh teddy has sought healing for herself off the bachelor she self-eliminated abruptly it seemed on tuesday night's episode after a breakup with andrew yeah. that she initiated And she posted after she left the show on Instagram with a cryptic caption that seemed to allude to paradise. She wrote, something I'm proud of learning. One, leaving environments that are cruel to me and the people around me. Two, sticking to my boundaries no matter how many times people in authority try to cross them. Excited for this next chapter and what the rest of the year will bring. So yeah, it seems pretty clear that she's talking about paradise and that something happened. They were trying to push her into some sort of situation. She didn't feel comfortable with Um, Marlena had also pointed this out. And then I went back and noticed that Teddy hasn't, has not promoted the show at all. And that's definitely something that pretty much every contestant does. I think Teddy and Sally are the two that I've seen who have not posted a single thing, which Yeah, generally means you did not have a good experience. And this um, caption really, really speaks to that. I will also say that a lot of the women from her season and Bachelor in Paradise cast commented really supportively on this post, including Romeo, Brittany, Serene, Sierra, Haley, Kate Gallivan, and Sally. Yeah, I honestly, I am 
dying to know what actually happened because obviously the show is not going to want to show us enough to piece it together. And I like truly feel at a loss as to what it could be because it felt like it came out of nowhere. It felt like she was really just uncomfortable with the concept of the show. And she was taking on a lot of shame around like being interested in multiple men. And like, I get all of that, but I am curious, like in addition to that, what was left on the cutting room floor that maybe indicts the specific production of the show more because it's so obvious that's what she's hinting at. And I'm just like, but what was it? They're not going to show us. Right. (sighs) But also, you know what? Good for her. Good for her for leaving if that's what she needed to do to protect herself. And I think that that is a hard decision to make in that moment because you know what you're giving up in terms of potential opportunities, exposure, et cetera. Um, and I think that can be really seductive and good for her to for kind of sticking to her guns and just like doing what she felt was best for her. And I'm also glad that from what we saw, like she got a very positive edit. So yeah, which is, I guess the one thing is that they they went out of their way to be like, she didn't want to say goodbye to everyone. Like, here's her saying she doesn't want to say goodbye. And here's everyone so upset that she left without saying goodbye. But like, it's not something that's going to like ruin her reputation. Tarnish her. It's just sort of to emphasize like, this was because of her decision. And like, we had nothing to do with any of it. Um, So let's move on to some non-BIP news and gossip. So this is, I guess, just news, happy news. We have two new Bachelor Nation babies on the way. Sarah Heron and Kayla Quinn, both friends of the pod, announced that they are pregnant recently. So exciting. Sarah has been really open about talking about her egg freezing and then IVF journey um, with her fiance, Dylan Brown. And I'm just, we're really happy for her. Yeah. They are, she's two months pregnant with a boy. Yeah, that's uh, I'm so happy for them trying to conceive can be so, so brutal. And um, we're wishing them the the best with the pregnancy. Kayla and her husband, Nick Borello, announced the news in Us Weekly. (laughs) And they talked about how they are expecting the, the baby in March, but they don't know the sex and they aren't it seems like planning to find out. Um, March baby, love a spring baby. I'm very happy for them. And this is a little more uh, spicy. Kelly and Peter (laughs) of uh, Peter uh, Weber's Bachelor season, they dated on the season briefly. They had actually met before randomly. They dated on the season. She was cut relatively early, like midway through the season. They ended up having a full relationship after the show and then broke, broke up. up and now they're she, back like, together. <laughs> she like talked a decent amount of shit about yeah. him on various There podcasts. was a good amount of shit talking. I did not expect them to ever get back together. <laughs> People had seen them around, but I think it was surmised that they were just on friendly terms like over the summer mm-hmm. because they have, I think the same agent or publicist or something. Uh, but no, according to a source who confirmed to Us Weekly they are, quote, full-on 
back together. Full on. Getting all these good snippets. They're full on back together. The source said, Peter wants to be in a serious, committed relationship, and his feelings for Kelly never went away. Also added, they're both happy and looking forward to where things go this time around. Godspeed. What a ride. Let's see. <laughs> I I find their relationship so interesting because I'm always like, Kelly, I feel like you could do <laughs> nothing against Peter, but like Kelly's like an incredibly hot lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> I think the sky's the limit for her. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I hope they're both uh, happy and have found a, a, a way past the things that led to their breakup and all the shit that they talked in between. Oh, me too. They were seen last month at a gala for Tyler Cameron's foundation that he started to honor his late mother. And so that caused a lot of stir that they were like dancing together at this gala. And also there, I want to mention were Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell who were doing a little public damage control about the rumors that Tyler and Rachel loathe each other. Like, absolutely hate each other. They did some, like, funny little poses with Tyler where they're, like, pretending. Or, yeah, Matt and Rachel did some with Tyler where they're, like, pretending to fight. And Matt's like, woo, I don't know. And it's like, they just are... They know how to make the media coverage happen, don't they? They're like, we hate each other. And then they're like, do we hate each other? And then they're like, we're friends. And each part of that is a news cycle beat. Yeah, honestly, good job, guys. And then they got to soft launch Peter and Kelly's relationship. Like, they're just, they're media geniuses. I feel like Matt and Rachel have really, I don't know, done an incredible job of staying, moving past the trauma of their season and also staying rather positively in the news. It's, It's a hard thing to pull off. Yeah, I truly don't know. I mean, having read Matt's book, I think probably breaking up for a while at the very beginning certainly helped and doing some self-work before they got back together. But again, healing and happiness to everyone. (laughs) Yeah, my God, just everyone. We just want everyone to be okay. Speaking of which. not mentally harmed. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of which, uh, Jason Alabaster from the most recent season of The Bachelorette went on Nick Vile's podcast, The Vile Files, and talked about his journey on The Bachelorette, which he has clearly been doing some reflecting on. Yeah, Jason uh, notoriously (laughs) was very uncomfortable with being on the show and was very reserved. And he and Gabby ended up breaking up during Fantasy Suites when he told her he wasn't ready for marriage. And then when they went and had private time in the Fantasy Suite, she revealed that they couldn't figure out any way forward with or without an engagement and that she felt led on by him and was really heartbroken. And so Jason went from, I think, someone that was perceived mostly positively to being like a light villain because he made Gabby cry and feel ill-used. And so he got a chance now to kind of share where his head was at during this whole process. It was a lot of what we had already kind of pieced together from what he had said on the show, but it was interesting to hear some more details. He said that, like, he didn't really watch the show before going on, except for a few clips. And Nick was like, 
do you wish you had done more homework? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, like yes. men, of, men who are thinking about going on the show, yes, you will regret not doing more research. Trust me. Yeah, he's like, I probably should have watched more because I just arrived and had no idea what was going on. He also talks about what we have talked about a lot, which is like the brutal hours and of filming. I didn't note that. I mean, I should have noticed it because he works in finance. He lives in L.A., I think. And yeah, what we know about being a banger lives in California is that you have to work New York hours at, because you have to be on a stock exchange. Yeah. He's when the market opens, New York you have to be exchange hours. Yeah. So he's like, I was working a 4 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. schedule. And so actually being up all night until 7 a.m. was not just like being up all night. It was like being up until through the morning and into my day being half over. And that was like, that like really fucks with you to be like that far off of your sleep routine. And it's hard for every contestant, but I think that was just a little additional, like his normal bedtime was 8.30 PM. (laughs) And yeah, that is, yeah, (laughs) that is rough. I mean, as a person who likes to go to bed on the early ish side, I always think about what a nightmare this would be, but like going from going to bed at 8.30 p.m. to being like, you only get two hours of sleep. Yeah. Ever? I've talked about this before, but this is why contestants skew so young. Like, I used to stay up until 5 a.m. if I felt like it. And I just can't Yeah, Jason's in his 30s. He's he's no longer equipped for this life. (laughs) Right. Like, he needs his sleep. Like, if he were 10, you know, seven years younger... Maybe he'd still have that party all night energy, but like honestly, you age out it was of very relatable hearing him talk about this. Like I just, I just couldn't handle the hours because I think about this all the time. He also did talk a little bit more about what happened during fantasy suites. You could tell that he he didn't show up ready to just like give a bunch of tea. Like he clearly yeah. has a lot of respect for Gabby and was treading himself. very carefully like and himself yeah he did at not one point nick was like break what are these things that you should wish you had told gabby but you couldn't be vulnerable because it was too public like can you share one of those things here and i was like i mean probably not like he couldn't tell gabby who he wanted to share it with in person because the cameras were here and now he has no incentive to or no reason to he's just yeah, gonna Jason's do it like, in public no, for kicks not really there's not really anything <laughs> like, specific, specific. no no um, yeah, it was very funny. Nick was kind of trying to like bait him into saying something crazier and he was just like not down. But he, you know, he just basically talked about the fact that he did wish that he was able to talk to Gabby before Fantasy Suites after he had like spoken to his mom and said on camera that he wasn't ready for an engagement yet, but like that they really didn't have any time to have a conversation basically between those two dates. So like the next time he really had the space to talk with her for a long period of time was fantasy suites. Yeah. He really emphasizes, he keeps saying like, instead of saying like fantasy suites or hometowns, he'll be like our second second date. He's like, hometowns was our second date and fantasy suites was our third date. So on our third date, I wanted to have that conversation with her and he really wanted that to be clear. (laughs) Yeah. I think that That it was uh, interesting. We've, been talking about it more and more because I think even as the season was airing it was hard to tell 
how much less time people were getting because you're just like there's a lot going on and it felt like more con more events than usual for us the viewers and you don't know what's left on the cutting room floor but the more guys have come off the season and talked about it it's just like they really didn't get as much time as usual and like when the show is already on such an accelerated timeline to just like cut down each leads time with their contestants by like 40 percent or whatever and then to still have them try to get engaged at the end is just bananas like it's it's barely enough to begin with if you can call it enough and to like right, make it a ne- lot first less of all, it's, it's never enough it's never and then, enough. Yeah, to make it to make it even fewer and so of course you had all hours. these crisis conversations at the end with like avon and jason and Eric being like, wait, I'm so confused. Like, we, like, just met and we've hung out, like, three times-ish. And, like, <laughs> what's happening? Like, we have, like, we haven't had a chance to talk about this since our first date. And now I'm, like, a villain because I haven't brought it up yet. But, like, I haven't seen you in two weeks. Like, that, I think that that was a production choice that, like, absolutely fed into the chaos for Gabby and Rachel at the end. Yeah, I think that that is a really good, good point. Yeah. Oh, so it, it just it just sounded it just really sounded, hard. It sounded really really hard and I think Jason has clearly been doing a lot of reflecting. You know, he's like we just we tried to talk things through off camera and we were just kind of on two different timelines and he he says that they did like essentially break up during fantasy suites. They talked basically all night, barely slept and then when we saw him the next morning and Gabby basically formally did like made the breakup happen on camera. Um, he was like, I, he basically said that he came off kind of cold because he was so out of it and really hadn't had any space to process what had already happened. And they had already kind of painstakingly gone through the breakup process by that point. He said, quote, like, I was truly just a zombie. Yeah. Which makes sense. And he talks more about what I think was kind of clear at the time, but it's it seems like obviously Gabby received it in one way. And I don't think it's the only way to receive it, but that he just wasn't in love with her yet. And he was like, we still have so much to progress to make in our relationship. And like she she was like, I can't it's not that I need an engagement, but like, I need to feel like someone is really choosing me and like loves me and he couldn't give her that. And I think that was obviously really hard for Gabby, but it does make sense why he would be in that position having been on like three dates and being in an environment that he was so uncomfortable in. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, something that he wasn't in a position to to offer and and that i just he he talks to very empathetically about gabby and and her response to it and her saying you know that he led her on and he wasn't careful with her and he said i have so much empathy for her i truly cannot imagine the stress and how fragile of an environment and how complex everything she's dealing with was and for me to add any stress to that just absolutely kills me. And any hurt that I caused her, I truly feel awful for that. I was just trying my best to get to a place where we could leave there together. And so I think that, like, there might have been a sense for him of, like, resignation that things weren't yeah. working out. And just being like, I just can't give her this. That she might have 
taken quite understandably as like he just doesn't actually really have feelings for me and he doesn't really care and he's just been like toying with this and and he did speak really empathetically about kind of reflecting on the fact that he's like it's so hard for us as contestants but then there are so many more things that when you're the lead you are balancing and I did appreciate that he seemed to have a lot of empathy for the tough position that Gabby was in and, and really didn't put any blame on her um he also talks about you know if he has any regrets that it's just like he's like I'm a person that takes a lot of time to kind of assess a situation and he said it basically took him until like halfway through filming the show to really get a handle on like the reality of it um and he says that you know his mentality really shifted when Gabby came back from her breakup with Nate and she went to them and she started crying and i he said like that's kind of when it really clicked for him that like these feelings are real there's real care here. There's real hurt. And he's like, I just think the fact that it took me so long to kind of get in that headspace is, yeah. is also part of the problem. You've really, to succeed on the show, you've got to be able to jump in and be like, every second with the lead counts yeah. and like every five minutes that I get, I'm going to be building our relationship. He said he like hid from the camera during yeah. night one and like in a corner and didn't talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. And then Nick was like, oh, so you must have been in her like top two because otherwise they would have made her send you home because that's so bad for TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which rings true. Um yeah, so again, like this was not super groundbreaking news, but I did enjoy like hearing more from him about his perspective and um he did also he did reveal that like when he got back from Mexico, he was in a pretty bad place, like he was really distraught by the breakup and losing that connection that he thought was so promising and that he did end up reaching out to Gabby, but he has not heard back from her. And he says he understands that. Um, So... Yeah, it wasn't revelatory, but it was a nice interview. Uh, And he seems like a a sweet guy who just, like... Shouldn't have gone on the show. Shouldn't have gone on the show because it's it's hard. It's hard. I mean, and and I think the truth is that you probably don't know exactly how you're going to react until you're kind of in it. Yes. Like he, he also emphasized that people keep asking him like, why would you go on the show if you didn't want an engagement? He's like, it's not that I was not open to it. I just yeah. like basically got to the, almost the end and was like, I, I'm not yeah. in that place yet. I thought there would be more before. Like, that's the thing, the difference between like him and Avon and like Johnny to me is it's like, yeah. you can't come on here and be like, I'm too young to get engaged. Well, then why did you come on? But like, I think it is quite reasonable to be like, I am shocked by how quickly this is supposed to happen and how little I know this person at this point. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm super sympathetic to that, to that reaction. Um, and hey, at least he's not in an incredibly public couple right now and he can heal in a more private way and uh wishing him so much healing and growth (laughs) you're like again i just just everyone leave everyone else alone and let them heal in peace exactly um yeah jason was like i am still in therapy and you know i love that for him absolutely 
And on that note, uh, that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Epiphany Espinosa. Make sure to check out the Roses for Everybody campaign and support it. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. These things really help us grow our audience and reach new listeners. If you want to get in touch, you can always email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at love to see it pod and Instagram at clareandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter rich text on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week for week three on the beaches of Bachelor in Paradise. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.